Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd. Coming up, why advocates in Kansas say a certain type of criminal sentence unfairly affects low-income people. We are creating this two-tiered system of justice where your punishment for a crime depends solely on your financial means. But first, some headlines. The Kansas Secretary of State's office says the partial recount of votes on the abortion amendment only flipped about 60 votes. But David Condos of the Kansas News Service reports some advocates are still fighting the result. The recount in nine counties confirmed what we already knew. Kansas voters chose to maintain abortion rights protections by a landslide margin. In the end, the recount only changed 63 votes, out of more than a half million ballots cast in those counties. But now Mark Geetson, the anti-abortion activist helping to bankroll the recount, said he won't cover Sedgwick County's costs. That's because officials there went beyond the original deadline to finish counting ballots over the weekend. He also threatened to file a lawsuit to get a full statewide recount, citing unproven claims of voting fraud. Republican Missouri Governor Mike Parson has announced a special legislative session. On September 6th, lawmakers will return to Jefferson City to discuss cutting the state income tax from 5.3 to 4.8 percent. Parson also wants to increase the standard deduction for single and joint filers and eliminate the bottom income tax brackets. Every taxpaying Missourian, no matter their background, income, or job description will see a reduction in their tax liability. Agriculture tax credits will also be on the agenda. An anti-drug advocate in Missouri is suing to remove the ballot question that would legalize recreational marijuana from the November ballot. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The lawsuit was filed in Cole County on behalf of Joy Sweeney, who works at the Community Anti-Drug Coalitions of America, an organization that supports, quote, drug-free communities. The lawsuit alleges that the ballot initiative violates Missouri's single-subject rule. It also argues that the petition did not receive the adequate number of signatures required to get on the November ballot, and that Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft certified signatures that local election authorities did not verify. The Jackson County Health Department is recommending masking indoors when in public, as the CDC notes the area is experiencing high COVID-19 transmission. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. Jackson County health officials report case rates are dipping again in the last recorded week, but while high hospitalization rates continue, the county will remain in the red zone. County Communicable Disease Prevention Manager Chip Colmia said the specific cause of the increase is hard to pin down, but did note a lag in public demand for booster shots after the CDC recommended them for individuals 50 and older. 84 individuals hospitalized during the month of July. Um, 95, um, over 95% of them were not up to date for their COVID-19 vaccines. Colmia advised everyone to check on their vaccination status as soon as possible. Two civic groups have sued Missouri, alleging new restrictions on voter registration violate the constitutional rights of residents who want to help others get registered to vote. KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez has more. 
The League of Women Voters and the Missouri NAACP are asking a judge to declare a new sweeping elections law unconstitutional and immediately stop any enforcement. The law takes effect August 28th. It makes it illegal to pay people for voter registration activities. Anyone who helps more than 10 people register to vote must register with the state. The groups allege the law violates free speech and the language is unconstitutionally vague. A separate suit challenging a requirement to show a photo ID to vote is expected later this week. Probation is often used as a criminal sentence instead of sending someone to prison. It's a period of supervision that includes certain conditions, like not committing another crime, paying restitution, and being subject to drug tests. Other requirements often include having a job and avoiding certain people and places. In Kansas, state laws limit probation to five years, but they allow for unlimited extensions. And some advocates argue that's unfair to people who can't afford the fees that probation requires. Kansas Reflector Editor-in-Chief Sherman Smith is covering the case of a woman who's been on probation for 13 years and could be on it for 27 more. He joined me over Zoom to tell me how the outcome of that case could get rid of indefinite probation in Kansas. So tell me about the details of this case. So in this case, there's a, a Johnson County woman named Edwanda Garrett who pleaded guilty in 2009 to making false writings and in 2017 to writing bad checks. Uh, but, you know, she she doesn't have the money to pay the restitution for those those crimes. And so the plan that she's on now is basically deducting $50 from her paycheck every month, which would mean she'll be on probation for another 40 years. Uh, she's been on probation since 2009 already. Uh, and that means that, you know, not only is there the hassle like, that comes with probation and making the monthly checks and kind of the, the high stakes of what happens if you don't uh, make those checks, but you also have uh, other rights that are taken away. She's not been able to vote, for instance, because she's on probation. So how old is Edwanda Garrett? Is this essentially a life sentence to probation? Uh, I'm not sure what her age is. I'm not sure how old Edwanda Garrett is. But the idea from the oral arguments was, you know, we saw judges saying, you know, why should we expect this woman to be on probation for the rest of her life? So what did Edwanda Garrett's lawyers argue? So their argument is that there's no rational basis for endlessly extending somebody's probation if you know that they cannot make this payment. It's it's not that somebody is choosing not to make a payment, it's that she cannot, that like no amount of probation is gonna change that fact. It's not to suggest that she shouldn't have to pay somebody back. It's just, you know, whether she's on probation or not, the money isn't there. Uh, and so the, there's no real purpose to keep her on probation. Uh, the attorney uh, representing her public defender named Casper Shire said, to be more crass than I should, you can't squeeze blood from stone. No matter how much coercion you put on probationers who are indigent, you cannot make them part with money that they do not have. Do you know how many people in Kansas might be affected by really long probation terms like this? Yeah, I, I talked to Sharon Brett, the legal director for the ACLU of Kansas, about this, and she said there's there's not a real clear understanding of how many people are affected by this, but she believed that it, it would have you know widespread implications for for people across the state. That you know she believes there are a lot of people who are living below the poverty level and are on probation. So how could the outcome of this case change Kansas law? I think the question for the judges is whether or not the 
there's a state law that that allows for this probation to be extended, whether or not that is violating some constitutional rights for equal protection. Uh, and there's a you know, couple other things without getting into some of the legalese, uh, some reasons why they could strike that law down. And so the solution here, I think, would be to require judges to make a determination of cause, whether somebody is intentionally not making a payment, like if they have the money but are just choosing not to make a payment, that would be one thing. But if somebody is indigent and cannot afford to make the payment, they shouldn't be held on probation. Why should people care about this story? The reason to care is that we are creating this two-tiered system of justice where your punishment for a crime depends solely on your financial means. And I think You know, that would have implications perhaps for everybody, depending on your financial status. One of the reasons that I find this story interesting is there seems to be a strong sentiment that if you you commit a crime, you should be punished for it. That, you know, repaying money that you stole, for instance, is a fundamental part of your sentence. Uh, And... I don't think people take a step back to really think about what that means if you can't pay. Uh, It doesn't excuse the crime, or it's not even to say that that shouldn't be part of the the punishment. But when you're talking about, you know, subjecting somebody to, you know, a lifetime of surveillance as opposed to five years, you know, that's that's a real difference. And we saw the, the prosecutor in this case actually made this argument to the judges that, you know, She's not, you know, being held on probation because she's poor. She's being held on probation because she committed a crime. And the judges immediately, you know, all three of them admonished her for that and told her she was being disingenuous. The prosecutor had to apologize and say, oh, I I wasn't meaning to be disingenuous because it really is an issue of why two people who commit the same crime could be treated differently. Is there an opportunity for the state legislature to do something about this issue? Yeah, there are a couple of state statutes in play here that lawmakers could consider and that you know, the ACLU of Kansas has asked them to, to look at in the past. One of them is this idea that if you're on probation, you're not allowed to vote. You know, that's a right that's being taken away under this circumstance. And so I think there's a real question about you know why, why we are disenfranchising people to begin with. Uh, In Kansas, if you're serving time in prison or on probation, you can't vote. After you've concluded that time, your rights are restored. Uh, But maybe they could revisit that idea so that, you know, if you do have this two-tiered system, you don't have that fundamental right taken away. But more importantly, they could fix this so there's not a two-tiered system. They could change the law to say you can only extend probation if somebody is willfully choosing not to make their restitution payments rather than somebody cannot afford to. Sherman Smith is the editor-in-chief of The Kansas Reflector. You can read his story at kcur.org or at kansasreflector.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear our live stream. If you like our show, please help us out by rating and reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.
Last year, the KCUR podcast, The People's History of Kansas City, told the story of the man behind Kansas City's iconic barbecue, Henry Perry. And since then, the story just keeps getting bigger and bigger. When you talk about Kansas City barbecue history, I mean, a lot of people, that's the pivotal rivalry, right? Join the podcast team for a behind-the-scenes look at the episode Thursday, September 1st. Get your tickets at kcur.org slash events.